morning, good morning, good morning. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful this morning for our musical staff. I want to thank them for being so persevering through uh, what you might not see as troubling times, but, but sometimes we got things going on in the sanctuary that people just aren't aware of. And that's a testament to all the good folk who work in our audiovisual ministry. I want to thank them this morning for keeping on, keeping on. You ever had one of those mornings? Well, you got everything ready for church the night before, laid out everything, and then you get up, and before you get ready to go, for some reason, the puppy wants to be a little bit more friendly, and so he jumps up at you and knocks some coffee on your shirt, or or perhaps uh, his little paw hits your holes and puts a run in it, and by the time you get to church, it's already up your leg, or, or just maybe you get in the car and it acts like it doesn't want to start. Well, that's life, and guess what? Life happens at church, too. Things happen at church where we come in and planning has been plans have been put in place and we get there. And sometimes things don't go exactly like we want them to. But you got to have a spirit of persistence about you. And I'm so glad you also have to have alternative plans, people who can come up with workarounds. So I want to thank Four Five Productions for having that kind of spirit this morning and pushing us through. Well, we're here on the last Sunday of January. 2021. Can you believe it? It's already here. And there are a few things that I want to talk to you about before I step into this last message. <clears throat> First of all, you can tell, I'm sure, that, uh, that uh, well, you may not be able to tell, but we're not physically in the sanctuary today because uh, Karen and I are in quarantine again because we were exposed to someone who tested positive for coronavirus and uh, such as life. We went to, I want to thank those of you who pray, been in prayer for me and my family uh, during the loss of our uncle. Uh, we went to the funeral um, as families do and that's where we were exposed. One of my family members um, later called and said that he tested positive. And so she and I have to go be tested on tomorrow. Um, so we'd ask you to please be in prayer for us. I'd also ask you to be in prayer for our own Deacon Walter Wright, who's hospitalized right now as we speak. Pray for him. Um, he's had some surgery, and uh, we pray for a speedy recovery from those surgical procedures. Also, look forward to a lot of information coming out from the church office over the next uh, few weeks. We've already put something in the church announcements about you updating your information. Make sure we have the most current information for you. Um, and then uh, also look forward to some more information because we've had to switch to a new membership program and that's going to require some, uh, some uh, changes in some of your stuff, we'll let you know. Also, uh, the office uh, administrator has gotten your end of year statements together, your financial giving statements together and they should be coming to you. So I wanna thank Carol and are for all the hard work they've been doing with respect to that. We thank God, we thank God for you being uh, as helpful and, and patient as you have been. We love you and uh, we thank God for the opportunity to even be able to come in this, in this medium. We, we are also thankful for one of our church photographers, uh, uh, Sister Karen, you can tell this background is smoking this morning. She's got us, she's got us in place this morning from all the hard work making sure at least we look like we're still standing in four five i mean enough on 7600 division avenue even though i'm standing in the annex as i called it 
we've been on a four week sermon series called Renewed. Wanted to start the new year out with some perspective on how we can make sure that 2021 is better than 2020. Doesn't have anything to do with the pandemic, it has to do with you, it has to do with you being better, you doing things differently. And we've been, we've been working our way through various aspects of this sermon series now for uh, three weeks, three weeks. Uh, and I hope that you had something come out of this series that will be a blessing for you. I hope that you understood that, that unless you do something different in your personal life, you're not going to get much of a difference in terms of the things you've been hoping for. The change you need is you. You got to do something a little bit different. Um, and sometimes a little tweaking can make a big difference in how life uh, comes at you. And so we started out talking about, we started out talking about how uh, the first week about how God renews our spirit. Uh, of course, that means initially that we have to have a relationship with him. If you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, while he is a benevolent God, it's kind of, kind of um, questionable in your thinking. If you believe he's simply going to bless you just because when you don't belong to him. See a lot of people who don't, believe, who don't, who don't call themselves Christians who still expect God to be benevolent to them. And while that might be, I don't know what that kind of thinking is, but it's strange for me to think that my neighbor's gonna take care of my house. He doesn't have that obligation to do it. God takes care of his own and oh, he does that so well. So the question is, are you his? And if you are his, how close are you? How close have you been? So renewing your, your spiritual relationship with him is always gonna bring benefits. And then we moved on and we talked about once my spirit is rejuvenated, how about some purpose? I make, need to make sure that I'm working in the purpose that God has for me. A lot of people never give that any thought. Not, not just a purpose for your personal life, not just the purpose for your personal life. I'm talking about your purpose in God. What does he have you doing? Because what I find is if I align what I'm doing for him, get that straight, then the other things tend to fall in place. And so we talked about when my life started changing is when I started working directly for him. And then last but not least, um, we talked about God and our renewing our love for him as we are reminded how much he loved us. It wasn't you that started this journey, it was God. And so we gotta go back to that place where we first met him, first met him. And remember the energy and the passion that we had when it came to dealing with our relationship with him, how we were eager to get up and go to work for the Lord, go to Bible study, get up and read our Bible, all those things, that passion, we still need that passion at this point in our lives. And so tonight we're going to, I mean, today we're going to move over to uh, another aspect of it. We've talked about our personal relationship and our spirit. We've talked about our purpose. And then we've talked about that passion that we have to have. There's another group that has to be considered when it comes to dealing with your relationship with the Lord. And for some people, it's the only reason they actually come to a church setting. Uh, yeah, your community, your friends, 
the people you hang out with, 1984, that was a hip-hop group. That was a burgeoning hip-hop scene around that time. And that was a group. They had an album that year called Escape. Escape. Many of you would know the group by the name Houdini. And they made a song that still reverberates today. I heard it year after year after that. I don't know who the poet was that wrote it. But one of those members penned the words and he asked the question, friends, how many of us have them? Friends, the ones we can depend on. Friends, before we go any further, let's be friends. Now he was talking about in the context of a relationship, but the words he wrote before he got to talking to his little girlfriend were poignant. He said, uh, friends is a word we use every day, but most of the time we use it in the wrong way. Now you can look up the word again and again, but the dictionary doesn't know the meaning of friend. And if you ask me, you know, I couldn't be much help because a friend is somebody you judge for yourself. Some are okay and they treat you real cool, but some mistake kindness for being a fool. We like to be with some because they're funny, but others come around when they need some money. Some you grew up with around the way and you're still real close to this very day. Friends, obviously this person who wrote this song had been involved in some, some mature friendship relationships and some that hadn't gone so well. The great poet who considers himself probably the best poet is Kanye Rest. And I don't often think I'll be quoting Kanye in sermons, but he said something that was real, real, real poignant. And he said in one of his songs, he said, how many of us can be real good friends to real good friends? Real good friends to real good friends. So today I want to ask about, can we be friends? Let's talk about being friends. Can we be friends? Can we be real friends? How many of us are real friends to real friends? I bet if you look in the recesses of your mind, there's been a time in your life when you haven't been the best supporter of somebody who's been a good supporter of you. I'll stand here this, today and say that I've got a great friend who's been a better friend to me than I've been to him, in my opinion. My opinion. No excuses, just real true. And I appreciate him, love him like a brother. I appreciate all he's done in my life. I'm sure I don't stand alone in that place. But John, the writer of 1 John, gives us some very poignant passages that we can lay on today and identify how we can strengthen our community through our friendship. And we need to make sure that if we say we're going to be somebody's friend, that we mean it when we say it. Unfortunately, in this social media lifestyle that we, that we live, friend has had diminishing value because of how we connect to people in a social media standpoint. Some people have literally thousands of friends in a social media arena, and they've never met them before. Thousands of friends in a social media uh, 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 
in the social media arena and they can't really depend on them. Wouldn't really know them if they walked down the street and passed one another because we have, in my opinion, devalued the word friend. I wish Facebook had come up with another term for connecting and not use the term friend. Oh, it's a great word. It just doesn't mean in real life what it means on Facebook. So today I wanna look at what is our community filled with friends. I want you to point to this in your scripture, 1 John chapter one, we're gonna read verses five through seven there. And then 1 John chapter two, we're gonna read verses five and six in chapter two, five and six. Do you know that who you are, who you are is largely, largely attributed to who you hang out with, your family, to the folks you've been around most, most of your life, choice of who we fellowship with is one of the most important decisions that we can make in our lives. And I'm gonna show you a few fellowships that you and I grew up with. I want you to look at some of these pictures. Some of them have been good fellowships and some of them not so good fellowships, but these are the media fellowships that we implanted on as we were growing up. Yeah, you, you recognize some of them. We depended on, on some of them. And I can tell you right now, that some of them were good, some of them were not so good. I, I guarantee you, 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 you recognize them right away. Yeah, some of them were just core family units with a few add-ons. Yeah, and some of them were absolutely, some of them were absolutely not family members, but were closer, closer than brothers, closer than brothers. Some of them were absolutely important and some not so important. I am convinced today that, that you are a product, a product of who you are is absolutely because of who you hang out with. So you have to one, learn how to choose your friends wisely. Gotta learn how to choose them wisely. Yeah. Show me your friends, show me the people you hang out with. Show me the people you spend a lot of time with. Show me the people who feed into your life. Show me those people and it will reveal the direction of your life. Show me who you've been listening to, who's been giving you guidance and advice. A good friend, however, is a two-way street. A good friend is a two-way street. You give and you relieve and you receive in selfless, in a, in a selfless way when you're in a good friendship. If you find the word selfish in a friendship, that's a problem. Anybody who's just doing something for their own benefit is problematic that they're good friends with you. Yeah, there has to be some give and take. In fact, let me go ahead and say this. Show me a good marriage and I'll show you a good friendship. Show me a good marriage and I'll show you folk who have the epitome of friendship. They've learned how to do that. Maybe not initially. Maybe they weren't good friends, but they figured out how to be friends first. And the rest of it falls in place in terms of their love for one another. Some of us today can look back over our lives, unfortunately, and realize that we've chosen poorly when it comes to friendship. Oh yeah, we can, we can, we can identify the point in time when that friendship 
ended up being the death nail to some career path or to some relationship that I thought was important. Friends have torn you down. Bad friends can drain you. They end up taking all of your, your energy and your spirit, bad friends. Not only can they drain you, they can endanger you. There are some people right now who are sitting in a jail cell primarily, primarily because of the friendships they chose. Oh yeah, they chose those pensions. They, they chose those horrible friendships that didn't come off looking like horrible friendships. I remember, I may have shared this with you before. I remember the day that I was in Tuskegee, very impressionable freshman, hanging out with some folks who had become my friends, air quotes. We were hanging out every day. We were partying together. Uh, we were going to the calf together. And we were going um, to social events together, activities in the student union. One day we went off campus to visit someone and uh, we were in the house and he, the friend I was with, the guy I was with, went into one of the bedrooms for a few minutes. And when he was in there for a while, he called me and I went in and he had in his hand some aluminum foil. And I looked at him, and even though I wasn't a very streetwise person at that time, I knew that what was in that aluminum foil <laughs> couldn't have been biscuits, <laughs> as small as it was. And I saw him starting to sniff it. Oh yeah, friends. Wasn't a stranger, wasn't somebody on the street corner whispering to me, trying to get me involved in, in drugs, it was him. It was a friend. It was somebody who was close to me who was offering me some cocaine at that time. Needless to say, I had the fortitude to get up out of there. We never hung out anymore after that. I have no idea if he ever, I don't think he ever graduated from Tuskegee because he had mixed himself up in something that wasn't positive. Friends, mamas and daddies, be careful who your children hang out with. We've been saying this for a long time. A long time. See, when kids are younger, mamas and daddies pick their clothes out for them until they get old enough to start making choices on their own. Now, we might not like some of the choices of clothing they wear. We may not. They might not dress to suit our style. Well, if the same is true for, for clothing, why can't it be for friends? And it is because when kids are younger, mothers and fathers help shepherd them toward like-minded children or kids who tend to have the same interests or families that tend to have the same interests. Until the young person gets old enough and starts selecting friends for themselves, somebody has to supervise the selecting of those friends, which is why it was always the case in my house that somebody would say, where did child come from? There's a conversation, who, who, what family does he belong to? Wasn't unusual for a child to come into my house the first time and my parents to start asking them, who are your folks? Because we want to know, they want to know who I was getting involved with. It's important that we learn how to pick the right children. Don't think that that's intrusive. It's a necessary thing, parents. Too often we think that kids' right to personal space trumps everything. I came to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. Parents are given to children for a reason. 
They're supposed to protect them in every way. They're supposed to help them make valuable decisions. And sometimes you have to protect them from their own choices. Don't even get me started when it comes to boyfriends and girlfriends and all those things. All of that stuff falls into play. We have to teach them how to choose friends wisely. It's a skill you need to develop when you're younger or else you'll get older, you'll be an adult, still don't know how to pick good friends. Still picking folk because they got a car or because they live in a certain place or because they act like they have certain resources as opposed to looking at the character of the person that you are befriending or associating with. Parents, you're a necessary part of that responsibility. John, the writer of the scripture I told you about was one of 12 disciples. Clearly they didn't know one another, not well anyway, before Jesus came and selected each of them. But here they are thrust into a small community, thrust into a, a, a working relationship where none of them were in charge. They were all followers of necessity of Jesus Christ. But Jesus set the tone on relationships. I don't have any doubt in that group, everyone was treated with respect. He knew every one of them. He knew what their proclivities were. He know what, knew what they would do down the road, but he treated every one of them with the respect that he expected them to give one another. This was Jesus. John was one of them. He was familiar with being in a fellowship of people. And that's why the words he writes in these scriptures are so poignant and they can guide us. First John 2, verses five through six read, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Verse six reads, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now that's not very complicated. John gives us a litmus test, a litmus test for how we can select people to be a part of our personal community. What's a litmus test, Reverend Spark? It's a test in which a single factor is important. A single factor, one primary thing has to be involved in selecting your friends in your own personal community. And that litmus test is this. If you're going to the mark of someone who is committed to Christ, the mark of someone who is committed to Christ, all right, is someone who keeps the commands of God. If you keep his commands, if you follow his teachings, then it's okay for someone to surmise that you belong to Jesus Christ. How do I know that I'm a Christian? Because I follow Christ's teaching. I do the things that Christ instructed me to do. That's how people know that I belong to him. The person who develops a strong personal community is someone who holds the word of God in high regard, which means when you're selecting people to be in your own community, you want people who also obey the word of God. When you start putting people in your personal community as a Christian who do not obey or respect the word of God, you are setting yourself up for personal problems. 
You're setting yourself up for personal problems. The mark of someone who's committed is someone who keeps the commands of God. That's important. That's why one of the first tests that anybody in a dating relationship had was, will you go to church with me? Yeah, I want to take you to church. You say you've been going to church all your life. You say you're a Baptist, but when we get in church, you don't even know what the hymnal is or you don't know anything. I can, I can make some conclusions based on that. Because I, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard, I've heard that when a guy likes a girl a lot, I've heard him say he'll even go to church with her, even if he's never been to church before. But soon the situation will bear you out. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because everybody has to learn somewhere. The fact that he's willing to go that far to tell you how much he likes you. All right. But then there's more tests. He's got to be willing to also learn the tenets of Christ and follow and do the tenets of Christ. And the one who should be doing the teaching is you, at least as much as you know. Yeah, yeah. Look, 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 look at this. Holding the word of God in high regard is one part of it, but that's not the only thing. Not only that, you got to believe it's important to repent of sin. Your friends need to believe that as well. You need to also believe that it's proper for believers in Christ to serve people as they serve Christ. Yeah, that's important that I need to help folk as much as I can. This is a part of showing that I'm a part of Christ's community. Anyone who would be in my personal community needs to also think the same way. It also means that I need to have good interpersonal relationships with other folk. I'm reconciled with them. When we have disagreements, we quickly resolve them as best we can. That's important. We're not going to let the sun go down as much as we can on our relationship. And then it's important that as a believer, I keep my word. It's also important that somebody in my personal community keep their word, keep their word too. Truth is important. It's valuable. These are parts of the tests that come with being a part of a healthy, wholesome relationship. Last but not least, it's important. If you're going to be in my friend group, I hope you'll understand the necessity and the power of praying for me as I pray for you. These are things that people need to be looking for. No, it doesn't matter what I wear. It doesn't matter what I drive. It doesn't matter where I live. It doesn't matter what color I am. If I value these other things, then we can be a part of community. Those are not, that's not an exhaustive list, but there are some core things that have to be involved in relationships. Friends that value these beliefs, follow these practices are lifelong friends. How do I know that? I can't tell you the times that my family has had difficulty, even deaths, when our friends showed up to support us. It's in those tough times of life that your friends will step up. I can't tell you the, the number of times in my personal life when I've had tragedy, mother, father, grandparents on both sides, all of them, when I've seen the same group of friends show up to support us and mourn with us and give us the physical things that we needed if we didn't have it, but also 
I have no doubt if they came around that much and supported us, then they were also praying for us. These things are crucial to maintaining lifelong relationships. I can tell you right now, right now, our mother passed away in 1996. To this day, she got friends who were friends enough of her to still maintain contact with her children 26 years after she's gone. Why? Because they love mama that much. And they taking care of us and seen after us and supported us because of their love for their friends. Friends, friends matter. And you find out who your real friends are when you start going through tough things in life. Oh yeah, the good friends come in. Those who are not good friends run away. Yeah, so you need to do a sober assessment of your current friend circle. Where are they when you need you? Not only that, where are you when they need you? Not just for your benefit, for their benefit too. Guess what? Being somebody's friend costs something. It costs time. It costs your treasure. You got to support them in the same meaningful way that they support you. You got to do the same things for them. When they are struggling, it ought to affect you some kind of way. Friends, it's a big word, has a big responsibility. But one way you can make sure you stay friends in a good way with folk is to befriend God first. Yeah, know who God is, have him in your life. Befriend him first. Befriend God. Let him be your friend. I see Reggie over there in the corner right now. Reggie plays this song all the time. We haven't had it in a long time, but I hope you'll cue it up soon. I am a friend of God. Oh, what a notion that the God, the creator of the universe, would consider me his friend, would consider me somebody who he wants to hang out with who he wants to communicate with and commune with me. As awful as I am, he wants to be my friend. And think about how valuable it is in life to give that notion to a child, child who's struggling figuring out who they are, when friendships mean so much as a little, as a little person. But if they can keep the notion in their mind that regardless that little Johnny won't play with me, or regardless that little Alicia says she's not my friend today, I'm okay anyway because I am a friend of God. How powerful is that in terms of self-development when you can give a child that kind of confidence that no matter what, God is their friend. And so befriend God first. Befriend God first. Befriend him. First John 1, 5 and 6 says this. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light. In him, there is no darkness. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, then we lie and we do not live out the truth. I know folk like to read that out of the King James Version because it sounds a little bit more street when you say it because we lie and the truth ain't in you. Yeah, whatever, whatever thrill you get, the bottom line is the meaning of that scripture. John tells us that light is crucial in our lives. We keep raising children with dark pockets in them. Yeah, we wanna make sure we put as much light in their lives as we can. 
God is like, fill them up, fill yourself up with light. Walk with other people in light. Stop doing dark things. You know, I know for a period of time in my life, I was engaging in behavior that only seemed fitting at night. Yeah, only at night. It seemed like it was fun. It seemed like it was fulfilling, but it didn't seem right when we did those things during the daylight hours. And then I knew that I had gotten in a bad way when my, my nighttime activity started taking over my daytime activity. That was a problem and I found those things draining. Oh, draining. Oh, so much energy, so little reward, so little benefit. And when I surrounded myself with people and that's all they wanted to do, that was not a beneficial thing for me. People need to bring out the best in you, not just the rest of you. Yeah, no, no, they need to see you at your utmost. They need to help you get to your best version of you. These are the friends you want in your lives and those people are gonna be the ones who expose the light in your lives, not who revel in the darkness. No, not who keep you in the shadows of life. Those aren't the ones. God is all goodness and in him, everything is imposed, see, is exposed. See, that's the problem. When you bring God in your life, God can't exist in shadows because he's light. Wherever he goes, it's light. And so if he starts being a part of your life, that has light shown on it. And that's uncomfortable for people who like to dabble in the dark. You start bringing God into situations and they start getting ghosts. Oh, oh yeah, it's like, it's like turning the light on at night in the South. I don't care what kind of house you live in. I don't care how big it is. Somewhere around it, you're gonna see some roaches running around. Doesn't, have a, doesn't really have an indication of how clean you are. Roaches just exist in, uh, in abundance in the Southeast of the United States. They exist everywhere. But we see them running. But when you turn the light on, there's something about those creatures. They get gone. When you find your friends who run away every time the light comes on, you need to reassess your friend circle. Your community needs to be checked. When they can't bear the scrutiny of the light, then you need to check out who you're hanging out with. You must do the things that he does. He doesn't compromise. When you find yourself compromising. When you find yourself doing a little less of what you know is best, then you're compromising. All right. When you got some friends in your life, you can't claim to have a good community. When you live in a community with God, but you walk in, you try to walk in darkness and sin. Come on now. When you got a friend who's messy all the time. Why? When you got a friend who's hateful, that's not light. Who's jealous, that's not light. Who's criminal, that's not light. We, we, we like, some people are the people they like having that criminal friend that steals stuff every now and then they won't. That's not light. You're not a friend to them and they certainly are not a friend. They may be more of a friend to you, but you're not helping them by maintaining that kind of activity. Light in your life shows the dark spots. Watch this, watch this. That's why it's hard for you when you're living that kind of lifestyle to come around certain people because those people may exude light. 
You might see it coming from them because of their behavior and the way they conduct themselves. And when you get around them, the light they reflect from Jesus exposes your dark spots and it makes you uncomfortable. Oh yeah, it makes you uncomfortable because that light is trying to burn off those dark spots. They're trying to get you better. That's why when you've got a godly parent, a godly mama, you can't come home when you know you out there in the streets hall. That's why you stay away from mama because every time you come home and you see mama, mama's goodness and graciousness makes you look like you've been doing something wrong. Why? Because you have been. Mama's love for you is trying to burn all that off. She's trying to help you do better. And so you stay away. Light is helpful in the renewal of our lives. Without light in our lives, then darkness continues unashamed, unabashed, and sin remains hidden. Yeah, sin remains hidden. I've heard it said that a good friend, when you got a good one, Reggie, I see you over there, say a good friend stabs you in the front. Let that sink in for a minute now. A good friend stabs you in the front. Let me make that plain for you. That means a good friend has no problem stepping right up to you and putting his finger in your face and saying, you're wrong for doing such and such. A good friend. But it's those dark hiders, those dark dwellers that'll stab you in the back. So you need to make sure you befriend God and then let the essence of your relationship with God overwhelm you and your relationship. And then you need to learn how to walk with other folk in the life. All right? John adds this idea of having a fellowship with God and points out that if we walk in the light with God, then we can also walk in a better relationship with others. Watch this, 1 John 1 and 7 reads, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. There's something healthy and wholesome about having Jesus in your life. He's a cleansing agent when it comes to making your relationships worthwhile. Those are just not external to your home. Those are internal relationships too. That means he can make your relationship with your brother or your sister better, stronger. You can be closer. He's a binding agent. Love is a binding agent. He's a binding agent when it comes to relationships. A healthy community, if we want to change our community, we need to start at its smallest, smallest group, and that's the family. Strengthen our families. Bring them closer together, and then slowly those good families will start making good communities, good neighbors, good communities. That's how it works. We got to get the core group better, and that all starts with walking in the light. We need to start calling wrong, wrong in our neighborhood. We need to start telling people, no, 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 I don't want you to bring me anything on the hookup because when you steal from the store down the street and I buy it down the street in the alley, I'm making that small business go out of business. That's darkness. I need to be on top of what I'm doing. Stop participating in darkness and don't have friends who value that and don't you value that. A strong community, a strong group of friends begins with a deep connection to the Lord. And that connection will allow us to have genuine, genuine reflect, uh, re, re, genuine relationship with other people. And so I'm asking this question to you. Do your friends know the real you? Do they know the real you? 
or have you been wearing a mask? Is there a facade? Do they know you? If you look at your closest friendships, I'm gonna ask you this, say out if I step on your feet, all right? Would you say they make you more like Jesus? Your closest friend, do they make you stronger in your commitment with Jesus? Do they make you stronger in your walk with the Lord? Do they encourage you to make good choices? Do they tell you they're proud of you and then take steps to make sure you do things to make them even more proud? When you walk in the light, you don't have anything to hide. There's nothing for you to be ashamed of because everybody in life is gonna go through situations and circumstances. You don't have to be embarrassed about things when you got good friends around you. Why? Because as granddaddy used to say, just keep living. And the one who seems to be embarrassed today will be the one comforting somebody else tomorrow. Just keep living. The one who's got a job that leaves them before they're ready for it to leave them today will be the one comforting somebody tomorrow. Just be faithful. Just keep living. Be honest with folk. Maybe today you're going to get the sense that, that you're going to keep some of who you truly are from your community. You want to hold something back because they will be offended or mad if they know the true you. The truth of the matter is there may be some in the circle who feel that way. That simply means they're not mature enough to understand how life is. Maybe today you want to start walking in the light, but you still are in a community that feels dark. Can I tell you, one candle, one candle can be the one to start to light a whole room. You don't have to stay where you are if you feel like you're in a dark space. Maybe you are going to be the one to be the catalyst for your community to start changing, for God to start doing the work, not only in your family. You might not have been raised in a household that was church going or Bible believing or Christ believing, you can be the first. Yeah, it's possible for you to convert your mama and your dad and your sisters and your brothers and then the rest of your family. If you simply start believing, it's okay. He'll empower and he'll strengthen you for the walk that has to be made. He'll take care of you. There's a story of a low income community in Mexico that was riddled with violence and crime. There was nothing the authorities could do that would block them from hurting one another, taking from one another. City had tried for years to make it better. Wasn't until the community decided to allow a small group of artists to just paint the city to look like a rainbow. This didn't have anything to do with any nonprofit, didn't have anything to do with any sexuality. They just wanted the community to look brighter, to look better, because they believed that people walk in the light, then they would start living like they live in the light. Interesting thing happened after they painted it. You can see the picture I've displayed it for you. When they started painting, crime started dropping. Violence went down. City became a safe haven. And now it's a tourist attraction, which means that once the light came in, the darkness ran away. All boats started rising because now it's a tourist attraction and people are making money because they chased the darkness away. Everybody's benefiting from it. A little change, a small change and the community has been renewed. Your life might be the key to renewal. Oh yeah, 
what we need to do at 45th Street, what we need to do in our community, you may be the catalyst for it. Don't always think it's gonna come from Pastor Spar. You may be the one to bring the idea of what we start doing. You may be the one who's going to spark the revolution of 2021. God can send things through you too. So I'm excited. I'm excited about what tomorrow holds for us because God is still blessing us with fabulous opportunities. I'm excited because God is still shining light on dark spaces and we know we have dark spaces in our community. We can help cleanse our community of all those dark spaces. It was never meant that we would live in fear. It was never meant that we would live alone or forgotten. God's intention has always been for us to walk in the light. How do I know that? Because he gave us the best that he had for us to start that relationship with him. He brought us back to him by connecting us through his son, Jesus Christ. He is absolutely the light of the world, a shining star. He's the one who shows us the way to all goodness. There is no shadow of turning with him. Have you accepted this light into your life? It all starts out with believing that he came for you. And guess what? Can I break it down and make it real for this sermon? All he's really asking is the same thing every six-year-old asks another one, and that is, can we be friends? That's all he wants, is just to be your friend. And when he becomes your friend, it's amazing how the light of his life starts becoming the light of your life. Can we be friends? I'm asking you that today. I'd like for you to be Christ's friend. And guess what? I'm his friend already. And because I'm his friend, he's my friend. If you become a member of that group, then we can be friends too. And so I extend an invitation to you to join our group, join the family. Pray with me. Father, we bless your name today and we thank you for being so wonderful and so righteous. We thank you for giving your life so that we can be in friendship and fellowship with the one true living God. Thank you for being willing to come and live and die for us. And because of your sacrifice, God raised you from the dead. And we know you now live for us, making intercession, making sure that we can continue making those relationships with the Lord. Father, we love you. And there are so many out there who are lost, who are in need of someone to connect them. Let us be the ones. Send us, Lord. Bless us with the courage and the love to draw other people closer to you. We love you, Father. We love you, and we love you because you first loved us. We know that because of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his mighty name that we lift this prayer. Amen. Amen.